Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Like the President of the United States going down to Brownsville, Texas to look at the border? In the fourth year of his presidency, like this cracked open border that's caused so many problems, all of a sudden, he's got to go down and look at it. And where does he choose to go? He goes to a place in Texas where Governor Abbott has done a really good job in restricting the access to illegal aliens. If if President Biden really wanted to see the impact of his border policies, he should be visiting Athens, Georgia today, not, not Brownsville, Texas. Because, you see, that's vastly improved in Brownsville thanks to the actions and the policies put in place by Governor Abbott. But ironically, these very effective policies are the ones that President Biden's administration has gone to court to block. But if he went to Athens, Georgia today, where the funeral of Lake and Raleigh is going to take place tomorrow as her family prepares to bury her, maybe the president should explain to them why his administration allowed her alleged killer, Jose Ibarra, to be paroled into the United States and then failed to take action to remove him even after he was arrested in New York City last year for child endangerment. Today's visit is nothing more than an effort to fool the American people into believing he cares about border security. If he did, he would have taken action a long time ago. We know that. But apparently he thinks that we're stupid. And maybe we are. You know, we keep letting politicians get away with this stuff. You know, now they're passing another temporary budget solution. You know, some things are going to expire in a few weeks and some things won't expire until the end of March. And it's all the same garbage over and over again. They don't have the guts. As my friend Pat said to uh, the Speaker of the House, why don't you develop a spine and do the right thing and stop worrying about the political ramifications of the right thing and just do the right thing. They can't because they don't really care. I'm thoroughly convinced that it's all a big show and we're delusional if we think any of them are going to do anything really to relieve the average American from all the nightmares they're confronted with. Meanwhile, I have uh, Vladimir Putin. Now he thinks it's funny. Every couple of weeks... This deranged despot warns us 
that we're in danger of being nuked. He ranted for like two hours in his whatever, that, I guess it's the State of the U Nation speech, the like our State of the Union speech, which comes just two weeks before a sham election that's going to hand him another six years in power. So he's up there ranting and sniffling. If you see the video, it's really, it's kind of grotesque. He's at this big conference center in Moscow, and he's addressing both houses of the Russian parliament, like uh, Joe Biden will do with the State of the Union address, right? Two hours this guy went on and on and on, accusing the West of trying to destroy Russia and then vowing to fulfill his goals in the Ukraine. And this were all lawmakers and the top officials. And then he lashed out directly at the U.S. claiming, oh, you know, they're trying to defeat us and drag us into an arms race. He's like the young guy in the group, though, at 71, right? He's insisting that Western Russia must be properly protected because now NATO has brought Sweden and Finland into the military alliance. So I don't know if that's if I'm supposed to take that seriously. Is he suddenly afraid of Sweden and Finland? And then he said, oh, NATO forces are, are they're preparing to strike out territory. And then he said, and this is the part that really should disturb us. He said, the potential invaders, the consequences for them will be much more tragic. Now, that's a threat. I mean, he, 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 he made it a thinly veiled threat, but he was basically telling the West, you're in danger of nuclear conflict if you send troops into the Ukraine. And then he was bragging about how his unstoppable uh, nuclear rocket, Sarmat, known as Satan II, just saying, had been delivered, that now the forces had it. And he boasted how we, meaning Russia, has weapons that could defeat them, meaning the West, in their own territory. So what does that mean? Nuclear forces in a state of readiness to attack us where we are. And then he was like, literally, if you see this, watch it if you can. I only saw a, a, a brief excerpt, but there's a lot being written about it. And he was crowing about how we got the most advanced weapons systems, we have hypersonic missiles, and we've been practicing in the Ukraine. And he said, well, you know, the U.S. and their European, European allies keep telling us that they don't have any plans to send ground troops to Ukraine. Ah, but Macron let the cat out of the bag, and he hinted that there was a possibility. He said, and he goes on and on and on, as they all do, saying, oh, I have the overwhelming support of the Russian people. And he called it, what does he call the thing in Ukraine? A, a special military operation. And then he was so dignified, right? What a tyrant piece of garbage. He called for a, a moment of silence for the fallen heroes that are fighting for, for freedom and independence. How is it that invading the Ukraine equals... Russians fighting for their freedom and independence. 
And then he went all into a whole bunch. He's just bizarre. He was really bizarre. He was talking about don't drink anymore. Instead, go skiing. Devote more of your time to your family. He was just ranting and raving for two hours. And then he, he kind of finished up his speech by saying, we will realize all our dreams for Russia. Well, you know what the dreams are? They want to take back the whole Eastern Bloc. <laughs> he said, uh, I've had dozens of phone and face-to-face -face contacts with officials, and it's the first time in years that I've even let Western journalists in here because I want everybody to know they weren't actually allowed in the hall itself in the convention center, but there were like 17 big screen TVs screening it free of charge on giant advertising screens in Moscow. And all of this comes as he is certain to be elected for the fifth time in March. He's already had two dec decades, two brutal decades of iron-fisted rule. He's been in power since 1999, and re-election now would keep him in power until at least 2030. He's on the brink of another land grab because now Moldova, Moldova, I don't even know how to pronounce that, but you know what I'm talking about. Moldova has called on Russia for protection. Uh, somehow I don't think that's true. The Russian-controlled enclave of Transnistria, which shares a border with Ukraine, was begging Moscow for help against pressure from Chisinau. And this came from pro-Russian officials who feared that, that that's the region that could become the next flashpoint in the war with Ukraine. Meanwhile, you got all these leaked military files saying that Putin is way closer to unleashing a nuclear strike than anybody ever thought or than we ever, ever feared. And the, the paper reveal what it would take for Putin to hit the red button. And one thing would be an invasion by China. And another would be, uh, and, and, and he says like some really like scary stuff, like I, I'll wipe the UK off the map if they support Ukraine. <laughs> And all these different, you know, half the time he's cozying up to Xi Jinping and the rest of the time he's saying, if the Chinese come here, I'm going to unleash nuclear attacks. I give up. This is the state of the world. Forget, forget about the states of the union. The state of the world is very, very scary. And maybe that's why so many people are lining up to vote for someone who they think might, just might, be able to control these madmen, whether it's Kim Jong-un or Vladimir Putin or Xi Jinping or these brutal despots all over the world. Most people think, well, Donald Trump seemed to have been able to control them when he was in the White House. They weren't playing games like they are now. And, you know, yesterday I quickly talked a little bit about what's going on in media and how embarrassing it is to be a member of the media in any form. Even talk radio now, it's just embarrassing. And when I come back from this break, I'm going to tell you what's, what's happening behind the scenes. 
because I think you have a right to know. This is your information pipeline, whether you're watching television news or you're listening to radio or you're reading on the internet. You're hopeful that maybe half of it is actual unbiased and you're getting the facts. Nah, that's not true. And let me tell you how in spite of that, even though media personalities are doing whatever they're told by the big bosses, they're about to get all of their money cut, all their pay cuts. And then what do you think is going to happen? Anyway, don't forget to download the 850 WFTL app. You can do it on your cell phone. You can do it on your laptop. Or if you don't want to have another app on your phone where you can participate in our contests and listen to our podcasts and my thought of the day and all that cool stuff, well, then visit the website, 850WFTL.com, at least every other day. And that way you'll be up to date on all those things. Let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. The media news companies and in particular the TV and radio because of course that's where most of us get a lot of our information from if not all of it but I have to finish up with the crazy Putin's nuclear targets because this these leaked papers that came out actually showed four locations in America that would be targeted by the Satan II, the Sarmat intercontinental ballistic missile. It measures 116 feet in length, weighs 220 tons, and reportedly has a range of 6,200 to 11,000 miles. And the map shows the 14 locations in the United States that Russia says they would likely target in a nuclear war. Now, I don't know. I mean, should I not read these things because I don't want people to be nervous or should I read them so that you kind of understand that he ain't playing? The most obvious target and the first one on his map is in Arlington, Virginia. It's the Pentagon. I mean, it's obviously the most obvious target. It's the headquarters for the Department of Defense. Then they go to the uh, world's largest Navy base in Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, Naval Station Norfolk. Then they go to the Naval Base. Another clear target is the base of the Navy in Camden County, Georgia. Then you got Barksdale, which is an Air Force base in Louisiana. You have Whitman Air Force Base in Missouri. You have the U.S. Strategic Command. You have a facility in Lualulai, Hawaii, that communicates military orders to submarines underwater. Kirtland Air Force Base in Albuquerque, where that's where the Air Force Materiel Command's nuclear weapons center is. Targeted also would be Peterson Space Force Base in Colorado. Warren Air Force Base in Wyoming, Cheyenne, Wyoming. Uh, and then there's an Air Force Base Minot in North Dakota. Hill in Davis County, Utah, Maelstrom in Montana, which is home of the 341st Missile Wing, which is an intercontinental missile unit, and then Naval Station, Naval Radio Station, Jim Creek, which is based near Oso, Washington on the West Coast. That's a pretty elaborate release of information, don't you think? Even if the Kremlin has only ever made vague threats, of nuclear war. 
This is what Russian state TV put out there just this week. Back in 2019, they had a host who listed some of the targets that I just mentioned, but also had two other bases in there. The only reason they're not in the papers now is because they've been closed. Uh, McClellan in California closed in 2001. And there was uh, Fort Ritchie in Maryland closed. They, of course, also mentioned that Camp David, where the president goes for his retreats, <laughs> nobody wins a nuclear war. Can we agree about that? That a, a nuclear war can never be won? So that's why we've always said we're never going to have one. We're not going to fight one. Sometimes I think about them, what's the purpose of having nuclear weapons? And I think about what if we were, and look, maybe I watch too many science fiction shows. I don't watch them, but my husband watches them. And every time I pass by, sometimes I get sucked into them. And, you know, the only reason I could think of there being any legitimate use of nuclear weapons would be if we were attacked by another, you know, planet. <laughs> if we had to fight aliens. But even then, how do you win? We have nuclear weapons right now that had to be evacuated because of these wildfires that are going on. I mean, these things are crazy. If you look at the overhead footage of these wildfires in Texas, they had to evacuate a nuclear weapons plant which was put on high alert, I think, on Monday. The Pantex nuclear weapons facility had to be shut down. You have all this dry grass, all this warm temperatures, and then uh, you have power outages and all kinds of damage done to homes. People lost everything. And one of the spokespersons for the National Nuclear Security Administration's office said, we have evacuated our personnel, non-essential personnel from the site, just in an abundance of caution. We have a well-equipped fire department trained for such scenarios, ready to respond if a real emergency arises at the plant site. What? That, the, the plant tweeted out yesterday that they're open for normal day shift operations and that all personnel were to report for their duty as per their schedules. This this place is 17 miles northeast of Amarillo, Texas. It's about 320 miles northwest of Dallas. This has been the main place where atomic bombs are put together or taken apart in this country. Governor Abbott said there's a, a disaster in 60 counties because of this smokehouse, what do they call it? Smokehouse Creek Fire, I think it's they call it now. They burn, it has burned nearly 400 square miles, which is more than twice the, the amount of territory that it had covered on Monday. And no one still can tell us why the fire started. But it's moving through places that are lots of open land, lot, few people. But all it takes is, uh, you know, one idiot with a cigarette thrown out the window. Or any other spark starting thing. Hopefully, the weather looks like it that you know it might be helpful for the firefighters because it's going to get a little cooler. 
maybe a little less uh, windy, and then it might even rain today, but this, this is a lot of danger. This is a town where the factory is, where there's about 13,000 people live there. Where are they going to go? It's a lot of people to have to move. Officials from the county and city are talking to people live on Facebook to answer their questions as more people are told to leave their homes. They're telling everyone to turn on the emergency alerts on their phones and be ready to go quickly if needed. People are posting about their homes and neighborhoods on Facebook. They're just looking for information. And a lot of them have lost a lot. But all they get met with on face, Facebook is uh, pictures of more homes being destroyed. Pictures of more bad news. Local sheriff's offices telling people, if you're still in town, hide. Go to the high school gym. You can't, you know, it's like all happening at once. If anybody out there still has any doubt that these are very, very Scary and dangerous times. You don't have to make apocalypse movies. We're living in many of the most apocalyptic scenarios that I have ever seen all over the world, not just here. But I'm concerned about here. Fires and, you know, and, and right away it's all, oh, climate change. No, 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 no. This, this is not about climate change. It's really not. This is about, well, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to leave that out there. People get a little disturbed when I get biblical on you, but uh, this is very biblical, and if you don't think it is, maybe you ought to open up the book and read that last, you know, the 66th book. If you want to know exactly how the story ends, that, that's the book to read. Anyway, let me take a quick break. You stay right where you are. I'll be back, and then I will tell you about what's really happening in the news industry because, of course, to some degree, to some level, it is the business I'm in, as embarrassing as that may be, and things are not looking good at all. I'll be right back. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. So it's everywhere, you know, the tightening economics that we're being told isn't happening, right? You know, Joe Biden's administration is touting all the economic success. They're also touting lower crime statistics, which I'll get to later. Talk about gaslighting. It's unbelievable. But the tightening economics in the TV news industry, it means that you're going to have to Watch carefully at what happens. We got some new people in there. The new chief over at CNN is this guy, Mark Thompson. And he's looking at all the salaries of these big names at the network. You know, he comes from like a real frugal kind of background. Uh, the New York Times, the BBC. And now he understands, even though they failed miserably in their last digital trial, he knows that that's the future. And 
he's got to get rid of some of these salaries that are weighing down the balance sheet for CNN. And it's not just CNN. It's Fox News. And when you look at the business model that's changing every month, talent and the cost of talent is definitely on the chopping block. You have to figure out how to stay lucrative, right? That's what everything is about. Cable news networks make some of their money from advertising and most of their money from affiliate fees that are paid by the cable carriers. So a, co a corporation like Fox has Fox News uh, and they make a ton of money in advertising, but way more, like four times as much in affiliate fees. But every year in the last couple of years, the affiliate fees, the number gets smaller because consumers aren't streaming. They've got other much cheaper alternatives and that's a real crisis for the news industry. The proportion of US households paying for traditional TV subscriptions dropped below 50% for the first time. So every other home doesn't have any kind of traditional TV subscription, no cable TV, no dish. So how are you going to make profits when all of the methodology that you've used for generations is not working anymore? You better decide how you're going to figure this out before you run out of money. I think in media, they, they said they, they use the term, you better pull the emergency brake before the car flies off the cliff. And so you'll see layoffs. You've seen them. Staffing cuts everywhere. ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, Fox News, CNN, all of them. But then you look at the salaries that some of the stars are realizing and you think, wow, this is so out of touch with what's actually going on, you you shrink your newsroom to a couple of, you know, maybe a dozen reporters at a time, and then, you know, and that's supposed to be your big cost saving, and then you got guys, and I'm not gonna name any names, we all know who they are, who have 20, 30, 40 million dollar per year contracts. How long do you think that's gonna work? The tensions are percolating because the, the people who do the hard work, the rank and file, are looking at the superstars that are getting paid the highest paid talent out there, and it's like survival. It's actually like that show Survivor. <laughs> you know, a relatively small pay cut just for the highest paid talent could probably save dozens of lower level jobs and probably make the product better. This isn't new. You know, television salaries being sky high, this is not news. We've known all along. Um, we know that personalities are actually known by how many millions of dollars their contracts are from even non-straight-up news guys like Howard Stern. But there's a lot of jealousy now among the people, the print reporters, a lot of bitterness towards these TV personalities who make such obscene sums of money and they really don't do any reporting. You know, it's all the underlings who are doing all the hard work and then they get on there for an hour or two hours or whatever and they, they blather 
and they give their opinion on all the hard work that their staffers have done. And in a cable news market right now, the contributors are the first ones to get hit. So if you're a contributor, you know, and that's the people who you see show up on a regular basis. Again, you know the names. I don't have to tell you. But now, we don't have those kind of contributor rosters like we did when I first started. Well, when, when they were using a lot of talk radio personalities to come on on a regular basis and give their opinions. When they were still trying to maintain some level of, look, we're just doing straight reportage, but we can bring you opinions here. We'll bring in, you know, whoever. One of the days when Roger Ailes would, you know, toss $500,000 deals to John Bolton, that ain't happening anymore. Why pay pundits for commentary? They'll, they'll provide it for free. So the contributor business is dead. If you get a deal at all, it's going to be not a lot of money. Some people are just getting paid per appearance. But the top anchors, <laughs> even they're starting to feel the pinch. They just took away, I think, half of uh, Nora O'Donnell's salary, the CBS news anchor. I mean, she was up at uh, somewhere north of seven, eight million dollars, and now she's less than four million dollars even though $4 million. And then there's others. You have uh, unbelievable people doing a lot of serious work. CNN's chief wants to fund his digital first transformation. He's going to have to cut anchor salaries. And you can imagine how panicked they are. Anderson Cooper, Wolf Blitzer, Jake Tapper, and who could care less, Chris Wallace. Chris Wallace pulls in $8.5 million a year. Fox News and MSNBP, you know what they're paying? Sean Hannity makes $25 million a year. Rachel Maddow, $30 million. Joe Scarborough, when he found out that Rachel Maddow was making $30 million, he said he wanted $30 million and $1. That's uh, that's a big problem. These people are asking for ten millions, tens of millions of dollars to be anchors, and I don't know how long you think they're going to pull that. You have these personalities have a lot of relationship. Hannity, Maddow, Laura Ingram—they built relationships with their audience, and. You can't, you can't buy that. Hosts that draw an audience just because they're on. That's the old formula. And it's going to shift. It's going to change. You know, f in just a little while, Tucker Carlson's uh, deal will be finished. I think, uh, I think he's got another couple of months of being paid. And CNN has stopped paying Don Lemon's salary. I think their separation agreement paid out his remaining three years on the contract when they let him go. But the executives know that with very little money to play with anymore, the power of personality isn't working. And despite all the hemming and hawing about, oh, digital, it didn't work last time, it's not going to work, it's their only hope. 
You know, they got they these guys are gonna have to do podcasts. I laugh. Like Anderson Cooper has a hit podcast, and you know this this one has a, a, a podcast and. I still really don't know how people make money on podcasts, but I guess we'll figure that out one of these days. Well, I won't because I'll be retired by the time they figure it out. But this is going to be a big change. And it's well, well deserved. I, I think we can all agree that it was fun while it lasted, but the idea that you would fire, you know, two dozen reporters and be down to bare bones reporters and keep some guy making 30 or $20 million a year to sit there and read the work that they've done, you know, just use all that information and then pontificate on the air. I mean, maybe you turn on the, radio, the TV to watch them, but I don't. And I don't think many people do. I don't watch more than 15 minutes of any television news program and even that I only watch it if there's some really big breaking story like am I looking to see who wins a primary <laughs> and then as soon as I know who won that's it I turn it off I'm not I'm not going to spend another minute there there's no more personalities even though I used to like to watch uh, Tucker Carlson once they took him off then I I ran out of excuses to sit in front of a uh, you know the Fox network for an hour nah uh, I got I got other things I could do, and I could do my own research. How about that? Or watch one of these streaming online, you know, uh, internet news teams, whether it's OAN or, or Blaze or whatever, Breitbart. Everybody's got something. You don't have to sit there and watch some guy making $25 million a year reading uh, all the hardworking stiffs under his reports. <laughs> no, uh, that's just, that's not a... It's not a formula that's going to win any longer. So we'll see. We'll see. You know, I I, um, I don't begrudge anybody. If they've earned it and they can get a contract that's that big, I don't begrudge them that. But I think it's not going to, you can't sustain that. You really can't because revenues are so far down. Advertising is a very difficult medium. It always has been, but it's even more now because people can get a lot more bang for their buck in digital. And they know that. And they'll spend a ton of money learning how to do better on the online than they do in traditional media. So we'll see. And, you know, now we have this split screen I'm, I was looking at earlier of the two trips to the border, Trump and Biden. And it's really fascinating, but it's, it's a little too, a too little too late for Joe Biden and just drives home the fact that Donald Trump knows what the problem is. He was at ground zero in Eagle Pass. So we'll see. We'll see how this all plays out. Let me take my break here. You're listening to The Joyce Kaufman Show on 850 WFTL. After me will be Eric Erickson, followed by Joe Pags, and then we'll hear from uh, Lars Larson. And then tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., Jen and Bill will be back with the South Florida Morning Show, followed at 9 o'clock by Brian Kilmeade, at noon by Dan Bongino, and then I'll be back at 3 o'clock. Still have one segment left today, so don't touch that dial. I'll be right back. So Donald Trump landed at the border ahead of uh, President Biden. <laughs> Gets up early, what can I tell you? But 
fascinating. They had like competing events on dealing with immigration, which whether they really care or not, voters now believe is the biggest crisis facing America. The uh, Republican frontrunner, Donald Trump, why can't we just call him the nominee? I mean, it's silly, but anyway. Uh, wearing a suit and his custom red tie, spoke to reporters and said, it's good weather, beautiful day, but a very dangerous border. We're going to take care of it. He then got into an SUV to travel to the epicenter of the migrant surge that has seen record-breaking crossings. He said, Biden created the invasion, and I'm the only one who can stop it. And meanwhile, Joe Biden was headed to Brownsville, which is 324 miles away, because there's not that many migrant crossings there anymore. There's fencing and concertina wire that he sued Governor Abbott over. And about several hundred yards along the Rio Grande on the opposite side, there was a whole bunch of uh, Mexicans watching and looking. They wanted to see everybody. You know, it's like, wow, look, there's the former president who shows up at Shelby Park. That's that grassy area right alongside the river that Governor Abbott did his press conference from last week or two weeks ago. The scene that greeted him included four Humvees and a military helicopter up in front of dozens of shipping containers used to block migrants from crossing. And some of the shipping containers were stacked on top of each other with razor wire on top of that. And then, of course, uh, Governor Abbott and these guys from the Texas National Guard uh, were going to brief President Trump. I don't know. I guess they must have to brief Joe Biden as well. Um, they were going to brief Trump on the fact that there was a, a drowned migrant whose body was brought up yesterday. And then, uh, you know, on some boat ramp. Meanwhile, Joe Biden is touring Brownsville. And he met with Border Patrol agents with his Homeland Security Secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas, who just got impeached on the banks of the Rio Grande. And look, it's a photo op for him. And he needs one. He needs to show the American people that he hears what they're saying, which is they're very concerned about this. The piles of trash being patrolled by bored border guards in the area where Joe Biden is visiting. That's pathetic, really. And, uh, and then Trump goes right to where the action really is. And, of course, where his supporters really are as well. Huge piles, man. If you look at these pictures, the fence and the helicopters and the concertina wire, this is the biggest issue of this upcoming presidential election. There's no denying it. 28% of Americans now believe immigration is the biggest problem facing America. More than think it's the economy, more than think it's inflation. That's a record high since Gallup began polling voters on their views about immigration back in 1981. So... It's not just uh, Donald Trump. It's not just MAGA that's concerned about it. The public is concerned about illegal immigration. The public is concerned about uh, the kind of criminality that we saw in Athens with this Lake and Riley, a nursing student. And then that, the mayor who literally 
said, oh, this is all, you know, because Donald Trump said mean things about immigrants. What? This nursing student's death is because Donald Trump said mean things about Venezuelan immigrants? I don't think so. No, I think it's because you've allowed unvetted criminals to come into this country. Boy, it sure makes uh, Donald Trump look much more prescient when he came down that escalator and started talking about them emptying their jails and that kind of stuff. And everybody got so insulted. Oh, how could he say that? Most of these people are just hardworking family people. Yeah. But what do we do with the other 10%? Or well, maybe it's as high as 20 or 30% who are sociopaths or psychopaths or just plain gang members and criminals. What do we do with them? Well, we don't even know where they are, so I don't know what we could do with them. But at least we're finally asking that the government do something with them. Tomorrow I'll know more about this package, this, uh, you know, stopgap measure. But I can tell you, I'm sick of this. I really am. I'm not afraid to shut down the government. If I were the Speaker of the House, I'd shut it down so fast. Nothing's going to break. Uh, the veterans are not going to fall through any more of a hole than they fall through when everything is in business. So I thank you for your time this time until next time. My plan is to be back here tomorrow at 3 o'clock if it be his will and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And then, of course, as I always say, may God bless you and may God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow at 3. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.